I really enjoy bringing you one podcast a week, but lately I've just been wanting to do more. So I've made a commitment that starting now, I'm going to be producing way more content for the Triathlon Hour. I'm going to be using Patreon to do that. Every single week on Patreon, I'm going to be releasing an episode of the new series called The Chase Back. The Chase Back follows the lives of some lower-ranked pro triathletes, and that episode will be released every single Tuesday on Patreon. On top of that, I'm also going to be releasing another brand new series every week starting this week on Patreon. That series is going to be hosted by American professional triathlete Ben Canute. Ben's also going to have another special co-host every week, but we're going to reveal that on episode one this week. That episode will be released on Patreon every single Thursday. So every week, exclusively on Patreon, you will get to listen to both of these brand new podcasts. I'm also going to be releasing every single episode of the Triathlon Hour on Patreon early. So as soon as I finish recording a new episode, instead of having to wait until the next week for a new episode, I'm just going to release it straight away on Patreon. For example, I'm going to be releasing a podcast I did last week with Magnus Ditliv on Patreon today that won't be released until a little later for everyone else. And on top of that, I'll also be bringing you some random Patreon-exclusive podcasts most weeks where I'll get an expert. So for example, the first one will be with one of the world's best cycling coaches, and they're just going to do a podcast all about what they specialize in. Again, that's going to be coming this week on Patreon. So basically, Patreon is going to be a place where if you enjoy the podcast and want more, there will be so many exclusive podcasts available just for you. And I've made it so it's literally only cost $1 per week, which is as cheap as you can make it. If you do want to sign up to support the show on Patreon and get access to all of this new bonus content, the link is in the show notes or it's on the Triathlon Hour Instagram bio. Richard, you're officially an Ironman World Championship winning coach. How does that feel when I say that? It's good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sunk in. We're back to back to working, back to back to focusing uh, on next year now. But uh, no, it's it's every so often you sort of think about it. So I was at the pool the other day, and I was just stood there thinking, actually, I'm in, I'm in the pool. I'm at the side of the pool coaching sort of. Uh, the world Ironman champion, number six Ironman, uh, and, and the, the sixth person. Um, so yeah, it just makes you super proud. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible sort of achievement uh, to say that uh, that, that Sam's uh, Sam's achieved his sort of goal. But yeah, it makes me super proud. And so last year, 2022, um, you coached Sam to finishing second place at Kona at the Ironman World Championships, and then this year he wins the Ironman World Championships at Nice. I think one of the big things that um, was the story of Sam's year was that he had a bit of an inconsistent year, some good, some shit, some in between, a lot of DNFs. My question is, how do you guys get it right at the exact right time every year? I think that's the skill of coaching. <laughs> skill of coaching, the skill of training. Um, to be, For me, to be honest, I mean, Sam's, Sam has had an up and down year. 
uh, I mean, everybody wants to go into every race and win every single race. Uh, but for us, uh, for me especially, we have one focus, one goal in every sort of year. Yes, we, we focus on two events, which this year obviously was Roth and then uh, Nice. But at the same time, we've got to get get them as fit as you possibly can uh, and control leading into every single race. I still feel that going into like major championships, major races, that a lot of athletes over overtrain uh, and uh, and uh, are so determined, uh, and it's a skill to sort of pull them back and actually get them to understand where they actually are and recover. So yeah, I mean, the goal was always Nice this year for Sam. So anything else is relatively uh, small fish, according to that, for me anyway. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just the way uh, that I sort of focus itself and sort of narrow narrow minded. Let's say and just okay, we've got these to go to. We've got the world championships here. We've got the world championships next year. Get uh, everything else is a bonus uh, leading up to that. And before we dive into like specifically the training and the build and the coaching that you put in uh, in the build up to Nice, can you talk to me more generally about what makes you the coach you are? Uh, I think for the, I've I've got a vast experience. Um, I've been coaching. Uh, I'm 50 now. Uh, I started coaching pre- predominantly from a sort of a smaller aspect when I was uh, in my early 20s. Uh, so I've got 30 years of experience in coaching itself, uh, and then learning uh, coming out here to the south of France and running training camps and going through sort of lots of people's. I, I've learned how to uh, understand people and understand how each individual person learns differently. So there's no point in them trying to follow my methodology. Uh, I've got to adapt my methodology for them to how to for how they need to learn and get the most out, out of the actual training itself. So, yeah, I'd say it's adaptability with the athletes. It's, uh, it's the biggest thing that I've learned and probably maybe sort of the coach I am today. So when you say that, um, that it's not necessarily about pushing your methodology onto an athlete. It's about helping that particular athlete. Do you, do, would you still say that you do have, you know, your own methodology behind the scenes that you sort of keep to yourself that is the foundations for the way you coach? No, not really. I mean, there's so much information out there and I, I, I love to read. I love to learn uh, that what other people are doing, what they've done in the past, the history of the sport, et cetera, et cetera. And sort of then go, actually, no, that could work. No, this could work. And the example I come from the swimming background, my dad was my coach when I was very, very young. And we used to do all sorts of different things. I'm like, why the hell are we doing this? What's this for? What good is this doing me? And now I've become a coach. I'm still, I'm using those things because I know why they're actually doing it, why you're actually uh, understanding uh, what benefit is that going to give to us. And I think it's sort of my methodology. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have one set methodology. I have lots of different me- uh, things. My only methodology really is that every single athlete has to absorb training. If they're not going to absorb the training, then they're not going to improve. And for me, obviously, I've got to try and get them to absorb as much training as possible. Can you tell me how you go about doing that? There's so many different methods. I mean, uh, I have 24-7 contact with all of my athletes, and I think this is one of the benefits with having sort of Sam and uh, Archer here in the house is I get to see them every single day. And so with this particular build for the Ironman World Championships with Sam and, and Artur, but maybe we focus on Sam for, for the meantime before we come back to Artur, 
what were you guys doing in like, did you have a, a final block or a final period where you go, okay, everything we're doing now is revolved around the Ironman World Championships and and what kind of training were you doing and how were you getting him to adapt to that load? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it, obviously coming out of Roth uh, with his injury, that sort of puts the cat amongst the pigeons. We didn't really sort of obviously having that injury and trying to get that recovered. Uh, that was where the main focus was going to be. So from Roth, he was then going to rec- recover and then go back into sort of focusing, then take on uh, the PTO America uh, just as a, as a stepping stone race leading into it. Now, obviously, we, he couldn't do that. We couldn't do that because of his calf. So he, after after his calf tear, um, we had to wait uh, till everything was fully repaired before we could start pushing. And that sort of made delayed our, sort of our focus. Uh, and then... It, everything was getting a little bit of a rush. So we were then preparing for sort of going to Nice uh, and then sort of at the same time going to Singapore and running in, going into Singapore in a good position, a nice, uh, strong position where we can say, okay, this is where he's at at the moment from Singapore. Uh, this is where we need to improve. Yeah, so obviously going to Singapore and coming back to COVID sort of put again the cat amongst the pigeons and messed everything up quite quite uh, drastically. However, it did mean he was fully fresh. Uh, and then when he got back to uh, when we got back, uh, we went straight to Nice, and from there we sort of go right. We're going to do a good ten day block of training. We're going to work as hard as we possibly can, uh, get the miles in his legs, work on the course, understand the actual course itself, and how. Uh, technical it is um, and then sort of build uh, and then sort of recover then down in, into uh, into Kona it's, into Nice itself uh, for the last week um, he's training was going really well he recovered very very quickly uh, from Covid uh, which was <laughs> a bit of a relief to say the least um, and then sort of we upped the load and I could see he was starting to get tired, but Sam was also then trying to push. I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to do more. And it's like sort of, well, hang on a minute. Let's just pull that back. And he had one bad session um, and we were like, sort of, right, okay, that's enough. Let's take a look at where your fitness level is. Let's take enough of where your, uh, where your fatigue is. And then let's just tailor that down. Now we've, we've got sort of seven days uh, into, into uh, Nice there's nothing more you can actually do. You're not going to gain any fitness, but you can actually gain a lot of tiredness if we over push it over this period of time. And he, and he understood that really well um, and and obviously then recovered down and then did a great race. Uh, when Sam came back from uh, Nice, uh, sorry, from Singapore, he uh, we sat down and said he said right I think I need to do this 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 and this and this I need to build my confidence up in running I need to do this etc and so that's what we did uh, again it, it sort of I'm very athletic focused uh, athlete by focus so if the athlete is going right I think I could do with this or need this or need this then I'll try and get them to do that because a lot of the time I know the fitness of an athlete is very very good they just need to have the confidence that they can do it. Was that session the bad session that Sam had? Was that the one that he would talked about on the podcast with me, where Artur dropped him on the bike, or was it a different yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that was that. That was that one. Yeah, I mean, I sent I sent him home. I was out on the motorbike with him at the time, as I, I do go out a lot with him on, on the actual session to make sure to carry water to make sure everything's going right. Uh, one of my big sort of mottos is there's no point in flogging a dead horse, and so we knew at that session that he was being a bit of a dead horse, so there's no point. 
uh, and sort of said, right, okay, I just want you to go back, uh, back home, just cycle back to the the apartment, and uh, I'll carry on with Archer and make sure Archer's uh, going well, sort of thing. At that point, did you think, oh, Sam's having a bad day, or did you think Arthur's having a great day? Well, yeah, Archie was having a great day, but I also knew Sam was having a bad day, uh, and that, and that's always that's always the sort of, and I think that's what played uh, he played heavily on Sam uh, from that point. He sort of like sort of was questioning everything he'd done. Was he going to be fit enough? Was he going to be strong enough? Because uh, on Sam, probably Sam's strongest discipline, he's just got dropped by uh, uh, an athlete that's what it wasn't his strongest discipline. Uh, so he was a little bit concerned about that, but that's obvious. I mean, there's always there's always mind games and everything else. There's always, you're always questioning something. If you're not questioning it, then uh, you're not really going to move forward. You said just then that Sam spoke to you about how he thought he needed this, 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 and this going into his final training block. Can you let me in on what the things he thought he needed were? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he just wanted to get as many miles in his legs on the bike. Uh, on the course, so he knew the course as much as possible. Uh, the goal was to ride the course probably three times prior to the actual, in the sort of the last 10 days prior to that, but also then to uh, get some solid long runs in. Uh, because of his uh, his calf tear, we we hadn't done, we'd gone up to sort of 30 kilometres and running, but he hadn't done anything sort of uh, drastic. He hadn't gone, okay, what I'm going to do is I, I want to do this or we need to do this. So we went out, uh, I think it was probably, a, yeah, probably less than a week before we, he did a 41k run um, down, on, down on sort of along the coast. That was what his main his main focus was to be feel confident that he could actually do the run and, and control the run, but also that his legs were his legs were strong enough to make everybody else suffer. I spoke to you after the race, and then I spoke to Sam obviously um, on the podcast, and you sort of told me how Sam doesn't actually do a lot of volume in his training, but then we both know that Sam loves to do long rides and and getting out on the bike is like a real passion of his. And probably if you didn't hold him back, he would want to do heaps of long rides and lots of volume on the bike. So when you speak about him wanting to do as much volume as he possibly could out on the course before the race, how much are you guys actually doing? Uh, I mean, we he did the course, he did the whole bike course probably three times uh, in that time, and the rest of it then is sort of either doing a turbo session or going out for easy riding. Um, it, the the bulk of it wasn't a huge amount. I mean, I I see people posting and stuff like that where they're getting in 30, 32, 34, 35 hours in in the actual training week. And to be honest, I mean, we we're on about uh, twenty four hours on average uh, training week. Yeah, and it, it's it's. I I want every session to count, and I need every session for them to uh, to be to be recovered before they do the next session. So there's very little time that I sort of go, okay, you need to be able to do this and need to be able to do that. Obviously, if those are the key sessions that Sam wanted to get in, then obviously I was going to keep those sessions in, and everything else was just there to help recover for those sessions. Uh, I think we had, did a 32-kilometer run as well uh, in the 10 days leading in. So we did a 32 and a 40k run, a 41k run, just to help the actual confidence. Did you ever get a sense at any point in the lead-in that Sam was going to put in probably the best bike performance that we've ever seen in triathlon? Yeah, 
yeah. Uh, I mean, two days before, um, I knew we were in a good place. Uh, I don't think it was a performance. Uh, it was more to do with the actual confidence of uh, how Sam was feeling. Uh, so two days before, I knew Sam was going to have a good race. Uh, and it was going to take something something special to be able to beat him. Uh, we'd talked about uh, sort of race plan uh, and everything else, so we knew we had an idea. Uh, and to be honest, it, it, it sort of... Uh, the way the actual the, the whole race unfolded uh, really sort of played into into that race plan, uh, which was great. And he also had help uh, then with Clement because obviously Clement had a, had a similar idea on the ride on the hill just to sort of sit uh, sit at a, at a good high intensity uh, to make everybody suffer, and then on the flats, then sort of open it up as much as he possibly can. Um, and obviously Clement. Uh, pushed quite hard uh, on the actual climb might be too hard and that meant that on the climb, on the actual flats he didn't have the same uh, same energy I'm so interested in this can you take me inside the conversations that you and Sam were having when you were coming up with a race plan uh, it's funny because we just sort of bat ideas backwards and forwards uh, and then sort of build up and then we'll sort of probably sit down and have a quick conversation it's nothing major it's nothing set in stone Um it's like sort of, I mean, Sam uh, completely ignored my advice for the for the swim, uh, and so that was that was quite an interesting sort of thing when he set off uh, set off at the sort of the back, um, but then obviously then sort of started as the people were tiring, then sort of okay, I'll push the pace to try and split everybody up, uh, and I think it was a good tactic he had, but I didn't know that he was actually going to do that. I think that was just the, at the spur of the moment he thought that's the best thing to do. Um, on the bike itself, yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd also come up with sort of, okay, I want you to push the first 10K really, really hard, uh, relax up the actual climb itself, go as easy as you possibly can, wait till the actual flats and really push as hard as you can. I think that's where the actual, uh, the race was going to be won or lost, was on the actual flat bit uh, at altitude. Uh, because, again, if you can get sort of two or three minutes, then on the actual descent, you can actually make that to sort of three or four minutes and then come de- come down. But obviously, uh, Sam and Clement uh, pushed really quite hard and sort of broke everybody before they got to the top of the first col. Uh, and then on the descent, Sam was able to recover a little bit before, uh, again, sort of breaking Clement on the actual flat itself uh, and then have the free reign on the descent. And when you guys were throwing around ideas and race plan ideas, were you speaking about certain athletes and their role in the race and and how they would sort of play into um, or be a part of Sam's race plan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've done a bit. We've done a bit of um, we've done a bit of research and stuff uh, and tried different things. So one of the things we found on the uh, descent is when Sam was following somebody and same with Archie when they were following uh, each other their heart rate uh, was about 10 to 15 beats lower on the descent behind somebody than it was when they were in front of it. Yeah, so the initial plan, uh, or one of the plans that we sort of threw around was for Sam to ride relatively comfortable at the top, ride hard at the uh, along the flats, wait to either Ditliff or uh, Cam Worth had actually caught Sam, and then descend uh, behind them. So therefore, he'd actually come off the, come off the actual bike uh, in a position that was sort of his heart rate was very very low. He was quite easy, um, but obviously coming into the actual race itself, they hadn't caught it. So then at that time, then, then things change. And there was some big names in the race. We had Jan Fredino, Magnus Ditliv, Patrick Langer. 
Who did you guys identify as the biggest threat to Sam winning? Uh, Patrick Renner and Ditliff. Uh, it's funny within sort of, uh, yeah, the Anfredino is always going to be a case, but I just don't think he uh, was, let's say, fit enough uh, for the actual race itself. Um, yeah, it's great for the 100k when he was in uh, out in the, uh, the PTO, and I think it was really impressive to see him actually do that, but that was going back to his sort of roots of short course racing, uh, where obviously taking it up to uh, up to Ironman distance they're completely different races how you do that and I, I just don't think there was enough time for him to be get as, as strong and as fast as he possibly could uh, for, for that sort of course itself also when he was training he was training a lot in up at um, uh, up at to altitude in uh, Andorra and I, I, I don't think it's the best thing to do uh, leading into a natural race, it has its point. It has its area to train, but I just don't think it's the right place to be actually training. And I think I saw that with both uh, Jan Fredino and uh, Leon Chevalier, who were both at altitude for a long time, um, and I just don't think you get the best benefit from it. Then, yeah, so it was really Ditliff uh, and uh, and sort of Cam for the for the bike, but uh, then sort of Patrick Lang. How far could they be in front of Patrick Lang? So he, he Lang, so they couldn't, uh, so he couldn't catch him up. Can you explain to me a bit in a bit more depth what you were just talking about when it comes to uh, the role that being at altitude for a long period of time for Jan and Leon had to to maybe them not having the best performance? So for me, I find that. Uh, I mean, we've done quite a bit of altitude. We're, we're not far from an altitude training centre, and Sam went there and lived up at altitude for school for a number of years, for three years. Uh, and then we've gone back up and done eight weeks block, eight week block, and sort of a three week block. We found that for, for Sam himself, there was a three week block worked really, really well. Um, it's great to get aerobic fitness, but I think it just when you're looking at uh, race pace work. Uh, I just you can't you can't your muscular your muscular strength isn't there because you can't push yourself uh, to be able to do that sort of intensity for that length of time because of the actual altitude um, and I think it has a negative impact and uh, yeah I know, I know the Norwegians train at altitude a massive amount uh, but I feel that it's they they build their aerobic engine but they don't actually have then enough strength to be able to push. Uh, and be able to uh, keep going throughout the whole uh, Ironman distance. Uh, so that's for me. That's the biggest area is that their their muscular endurance is or their muscular strength. Sorry, is is not not good enough. Pillar Performance's triple magnesium could be the missing piece to fully optimize what you're doing in training and life. We all know how important sleep is, and yet not enough of us focus on maximizing how well we sleep. Taking Pillar's Triple Magnesium 45 minutes before bed every night takes the thinking out of it for you and means you'll be sleeping better than ever and waking up feeling fresh and recovered. Get yourself some and use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. And were you were you basing the fact that you didn't think Yarn would be ready just on the fact that, you know, maybe since the start of the year wasn't enough time or were you also seeing other things or hearing other things that made you think that? No, 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 not at all. Um, it's quite. I mean, we were we went to the canyon. Canyon did a three day uh, trip out to Nice um, uh, straight after off. This is where we found that Sam had torn his calf in, in Nice, and uh, we he was training. He was training. He was training hard, and he was training a lot. Uh, and again, it sort of 
I, I was chatting to him a couple of times and he seemed quite positive and everything else was moving forward. Um, but that's as much that's as much as I'd actually followed. I, I don't tend to follow other athletes and go, okay, this is what they're doing, this is what they're doing. All I do is focus on on my athletes and focus on what they're doing and get the best out of them. So there was nothing that, yeah, I, I hadn't seen or heard anything. I just know that sort of from my experience, uh, spending a lot of time up at altitude like that is not the best 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 method to come into an actual race itself. And obviously, you just spoke about the the gap needed to Patrick Langer, um, and we all know yeah. we all know what it is about Patrick that that would scare you. Like if he's if he's eight minutes behind you, it's going to be a real <laughs> battle. But when it comes to Magnus Ditliv, is there anything that scares you about him? And leading into the race, was there anything in particular that you and Sam were talking about when it comes to him? No, it's just his cycle strength. I mean, he's 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 a monster on the bike, um, and this is always the, sort of Sam is also a monster on the bike, and I know at the level that Sam is at, and for Sam for somebody to actually beat that would uh, is it would take something special. Uh, so I know that Sam on on the good day is uh, uh, stronger. Uh, than sort of Ditlev on the bike but obviously Sam itself and his sort of confidence in me, oh no this person's as strong as this person's stronger than me that person's stronger than me so for me it's just focusing on making sure that Sam's happy uh, with the actual what he's producing and, and let, let his training talk when we get out there again there's no point in sort of worrying about what other people can do I can't control them yeah all I can do is make Sam the fittest strongest fastest and most recovered uh, ready for the actual race itself where do you think that the performance at Nice stands compared to Sam's performance at Kona last year? Um, I think they're quite similar, to be honest. I mean, I think the bike leg this time was was uh, better. Uh, I think Sam had a stronger bike and a stronger run. Um, and the yeah, I mean, it was Sam's sort of dominance at, at Kona on the bike leg uh, was uh, was was re- was poetic. Uh, and to be honest, I was out and about on the course. I didn't see a lot of the bike course this time. I haven't actually had time to sit down and watch the whole video to see what was happening. Um, but from what, what the clips and everything I've seen, again, this today's, again, sort of uh, Nice ride was, again, very, very poetic and sort of fluid. Uh, descending, it showed sort of Sam's skill. So I think sort of I would say Nice was a better ride overall because it shows the actual skill uh, and the tactical skill and the actual uh, riding skill that Sam actually has. I I love a hypothetical, but hypothetically speaking, how do you think 2022 Gustav Eden would have gone against uh, 2023 Sam Laidlow at Nice? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean... uh... Uh, if he if he's he, seen seen him sort of beforehand, uh, he wouldn't have been anywhere, uh, and I think that's why he didn't turn up on the actual field itself. But twenty twenty two, on that sort of course, uh, it would have been pretty close. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Sam would have come out of the water quite a bit in front of him, uh, which he didn't at Kona, uh, and would that have helped on the actual course itself? I don't know, and it's not. It's it would have been a close race. It would have been interesting to see. Uh, and yeah, uh, it's yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's very. It's very hard to say. Uh, it, yeah. Um, I don't think if he was in twenty twenty two shape, uh, I think Sam would have probably taken him, but it would have been a close race. 
I've been a, a massive fan and a like sort of a student of triathlon for probably 20 years now, probably going on right on 20 years. And you've been you've been a student of the sport and a, and a passionate fan of the sport for a lot longer than that even. Tell, tell me, because I, I sort of look at Sam's bike performance and I go, I don't know and I don't think we've ever seen anything stronger in long course triathlon. I think Alistair Brownlee maybe had one or two rides that compared to it in short course triathlon, but I don't think we've ever seen anything stronger than that in long course triathlon. Where do you think it stands in the history book, history books as, um, as, as like rides that we've seen? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think what's. I think what's re- sort of different about is is Sam is most most of the the sort of the Uber cyclists would come out of the bike, would come out of the swim down, uh, and then sort of power their way through. And um, so Thomas Helrig and people like that, they had some incredible sort of bikes. But again, uh, training training has moved on. Uh, if you were to take sort of their power files and look at what they're doing now, they're nowhere near the same. And I, I, th- I think that it is, that's going to be the case for the next sort of three or four years. Uh, you're going to take people such as Ditlev and Sam and people aren't really going to be with them. Uh, I mean, people you say as sort of an Uber cyclist, Joe Skipper, for example, and Cam Worth, they're, 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 they're still sort of a step behind uh, where these two are at the moment. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it is it, it's a a proud thing for me to say, but I think they're they're uh, they're they're way way stronger than what's any other cyclist been within this in the sport of triathlon. And so, how have you achieved that? Like, I know we've talked a little bit generally about your training that you do and your the way you go about your coaching, but particularly with Sam, like, how have you made him probably the best long course cyclist we've ever seen? I've known for a long time that when Sam was really young, I didn't coach Sam. Uh, I've always asked, oh, he's always been in other, been with other coaches and seen sort of the methodology that they're using. And Sam then can learn about what he feels is better. So even from sort of a six-year-old, he was in a local triathlon club uh, that we used to take down. And this is where he learned sort of his skills of, uh, his bike handling skills, his sort of, and his swimming skills. And for me, uh having that opportunity for him to actually do different things uh and learn from different people and let him sort of uh with guidance understand what he needs to become the best sort of athlete uh has been sort of the key i mean we're we're super lucky where we actually live here uh we have uh, flats that uh, you can sit uh, quite comfortably at race pace uh, get your head down and have no worries about security uh, from sort of other road users. We have rolling hills and then we have some big climbs going up to sort of 2,000, uh, yeah, over 2,000, 2,300 metres. So we have a wide variety and that's also helped in that ability. So if Sam wants to go out riding, depends on what he wants to do. Oh, I'll just go and do a climb today. It's a big climb. Um, and then you come back down. So having that sort of ability to go, right, okay, this is what we're doing. Uh, from my perspective from training, it's like sort of I need to make him uh, as strong as he possibly can because obviously the stronger you are, the when you can then come to run, the less the actual body's going to break down. Uh, and the less the body can break down, then then you can use your running strength uh, to, 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 to race well. And so I honestly think he, it's come from the fact that he's learnt – from other athletes, from other coaches, uh, how training uh, works or doesn't work uh, for him as a person. 
um, and then sort of then having sort of me behind supporting and going right okay let's work on uh, improving your muscular strength let's be make sure that sort of okay 320 watts doesn't take anything from a muscular perspective out of the actual body itself and therefore when you get off on the bike you can feel fresh and actually run well how specifically do you go about that because obviously in triathlon we've had lots of different ways people have tried to do that like a lot of people use big gear work. A lot of people spend time in the gym. A lot of people do huge volume. How specifically have you been trying to do that or have you, have you done that with Sam? Well, I mean, I normally do. I, I'm, I come, so my background uh, was I was a physical training instructor in the forces for a number of years. Then I came out and did uh, and was a, I then became a lecturer in sports science. And so I've done a little bit of the science behind everything uh, and understanding teach one of the areas I used to teach was uh, exercise training methodology uh, as well as testing so I can see the different methodologies and testing and one of the things is it's got to be uh, it's got to be similar to what you're doing in the actual race itself if I want to have more strength yeah then going into the gym and building doing a load of squats is not going to actually help that because it's not specific enough and so I'd much rather than go out and go okay I want Sam, at the end of a session, uh, end of a session, both a swim, bike, and run. Well, for a swim, I want his arms to fall off. That's how I get his strength. Yeah, and it's specific. Then now, there's a number of different ways I can do that. Uh, the same as running. Yeah, I want his legs to be tired, muscularly tired, when he finishes. Yeah, and the same as running. I want his legs to be sort of pumped up, and he's like sort of, oh, they're 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 struggling. I know I've actually worked the actual muscle fibers of have increased the actual mitochondria from that actual session, and there's various ways of doing that. I mean, it could be sort of low gear, it could be low gear work, it could be just riding uphill, um, it could be sort of doing uh, what I call power stomps, things like that. Are all different sort of areas that can actually help improve that, uh, depending on what they each individual athlete. Uh, needs and for sam i think it was a lot of it is just riding in the hills and enjoying that the same as running uh when we look at sort of running we do a lot of uphill running uh where we he'll go out and we'll do a 20k run uphill run and then i'll pick him up at the top of the hill uh and then come back down again so it's building sort of the strength with low impact at the same time uh swimming perspective i use what go stones uh which are normally sort of well in sam's case for lead weight that we're lead weights that he puts into his actual hands itself and that just tires the arms out and then we'll do sort of big paddle work uh to get that i mean sam's always had to have worked quite hard over the years to get sam's swim technique uh nice and efficient and so therefore we can we when he sits, sits a pair of paddles or big paddles on we know that it's not going to cause any any injuries there's a couple of things I want you to expand on there, but firstly, power stomps. What are they? A power stomp is just a neuromuscular exercise where you'd uh, come to a more or less stand. You were in a big gear. Um, you can stay seated. Uh, for some, you can actually stand, but you come to more or less a uh, stop and then just stomp on the actual pedals as hard as you can for 20 seconds or so uh, to get the actual speed up. Uh, it's a neuromuscular. It helps. For, I found it actually helps. Uh, yeah, open up sort of the the, the muscle fibers and the brain working together. Uh, the the muscles that I've seen and sort of the research and stuff that I've looked at, we'd only use a fraction of the muscle fibers that we actually have. Yeah, and what I'm trying to do is use as many of those muscle fibers as I possibly can to get their actual strength. And so how do you incorporate them into a session? Are you doing them at the start, middle, end? Are they the session? Are they like a, a primer? Are they a finisher? 
No, the, the, that, that's that's the main session. That would be the main session if I used it. To be honest, I haven't used these those in years for for Sam. This is uh, Sam's beyond beyond that. Uh, we'll do a lot of low gear work, a lot of very specific uh, work for Sam. Um, but yeah, for sort of for, for beginners and stuff like that, that, this is what I would use to actually get them to have a, a higher power output. Uh, uh, for a lower heart rate and they would be the main session once you've done that then is yeah you've probably done five six ten of those then it's time to go home basically and then i've heard you talk about the stones before but can you talk to me <laughs> about that as well yeah i mean stones it's something that came up with years ago um uh, <laughs> probably i don't know probably 10 10 12 years ago uh, I'm always looking for ideas. I'm always looking for different things that would actually help uh, people swim or improve. Now, it wasn't from a it wasn't from a strength perspective. It was more from a uh, technique perspective that I thought actually, if we put some weight in somebody's hand, they'll know what their hand is doing better. Uh, so it's the same if you sort of if you were even to run with uh, like a stone in your hand, you would feel that you you'd you'd focus then on what your um, what your arm swing is doing because you can feel it more. It's exaggerated, and that's the same in swimming. So by putting the actual stones in the actual hand itself, it gives you an idea of where uh, your hand is in the water and what it's actually doing, uh, because most people are not really aware. Uh, they think they're doing something and they're completely doing something else because obviously it's in a different medium to we're actually used to. So I'd much rather sort of that by putting the stones in the hand, it gives them, okay, if I'm trying to get them to put the hand in 15, 20 centimetres underneath the surface of water, having the stone in the hand will actually get, give them, let them understand or see better what that 15, 20 centimetres is. Yeah. However, uh, from that, I've actually found it has a number of different benefits, uh, especially for open water swimming. Um, it's a great way to improve um, your strength in swimming in a wetsuit, because obviously when in a wetsuit, when you bring your arm back for the recovery phase, uh, you're, it's restricted. And obviously having a weight in your hand is a bit like doing strength training. Uh, you're actually improving the strength of your deltoid uh, and sort of the muscles that help bring back the actual the recovery phase of the swim itself. Uh, and the other other area is your cadence. It, obviously, if you want to swim at a, at a reasonable pace, you're going to have to turn your arm around quick. Uh, and so it also helps improve your actual cadence itself. And so when you have the stone in your hand when you're swimming, you, are you putting it in the middle of your palm and then closing your hand around it so you're essentially yes. swimming with a yeah, fist? Yeah, so it's, it's a bit like a fist drill, uh, but with just weighted. And how much how much swimming would you use the stones for? Uh, it depends on each person. Uh, it depends on how uh, uh, strong they are or what they actually need. I mean, obviously, you start off with, like for Sam, um, we'll probably do a build-up to sort of 15, 16, maybe even 2,000 meters with stones in the hands, doing different things, doing different sets. It's not just, okay, we're going to do uh, 22 or 10 200s with stones in. No, it's all broken down. Um, the other thing is what we found is the feel for the water once you take the stones out is really, really good. Uh, and so both, obviously what we do is we would swim sort of uh, maybe three, four hundreds, and one of them will be stones, one of them will be full, and the other one might be paddles uh, to actually keep that feel that, that they're getting from, from one to the other. But I would say anything from sort of 400 meters up to 2,000 meters. If you had a weaker swimmer, would they do more or less than a really strong swimmer like Sam? Uh, that really depends on their technique and their mobility. 
uh, is not something that I give to a lot of uh, because it can help. It, it could increase sort of injury risk. Uh, so a weak swimmer for me would uh, I would look at what they're doing biomechanically uh, and have a look at what their range of movement is before I even contemplate giving them uh, stones or even paddle work. Uh, they've got to get that movement right for, within their own ability to to move. Uh, and this is where, again, sort of a lot of people within swimming, I find that they sort of, oh, I should be doing a high elbow, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. But if you can't do that because your range of movement in the body is not right, you know, your shoulders are restricted or whatever, yeah, then obviously you need to find another way of doing it. Uh, and it's getting in and it's getting their body position and getting their um uh, yeah, their body position and their hydrodynamics correct before we move on to doing sort of uh, strength work, uh, because all that will do is ingrain a, a bad habit into them if they're doing more strength work with a bad bad uh, technique. And I've heard you speak about swimming a lot. Actually, I've listened to probably everything you've ever said or any everything I could find of what you you've talked about swimming. Because clearly, you are a world class swim coach who we should all be listening to. Something else I, I've heard you talk about a bit is doing less frequency and more volume within your sessions. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, I mean, it's like any training session. You don't go into the gym uh, and go and do, I'm gonna, I, want, I want to improve my biceps. I'm going to do bicep curls every single day. Yeah, after two or three days, your, your overload principle uh, goes out of the window. Yeah, and so it, for me, it's very, very similar in swimming at the same time. Basically, I've have we've had loads of people out here have swum. I swim five, six times a week, and their their swimming's pretty bad. Yeah, where if they'd actually downed the, the actual swimming uh, frequency and said, oh, "Okay, I'm going to swim three times a week, but I'm actually going to double the distance." Yeah, so I'm doing the same distance. Yeah, you would find that the body then recovers in between each session. It's 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 simple recovery. Yeah, you don't carry on doing the same exercise uh, over and over and over again because the body's just not going to recover. And did that apply to Sam in this build-up to the World Champs as well? Like how many times a week would he swim? Uh, we swim four times a week. Um, and the, the, we've actually, I've actually downed it. And probably getting Sam up to the level he, he was, uh, he is at swimming with probably sort of two years ago, uh, where every single session uh, we'll do uh, 6,000 metres. And now that sort of has dropped down a bit. We don't need to. So it's about focusing on other areas. So, I mean, most sessions are still around about the same. We'll probably do four times, uh, four times a week looking at uh, between five and 6,000 metres per session. And then if you go back to Kona 2022, where Gustav Eden just passed Sam in the last 10 kilometres of the run, did you guys sort of get together after that and go, okay, how do we win next year? And uh, and what plans did you put in place to make sure that you did win the world championships the next year like you have ended up doing? I mean, we've carried on. We know what we were doing was working. So there's no point in changing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, <laughs> finding out that uh, Kona had gone to Nice uh, meant a big – meant we had to – change uh, the, the the methodology a little bit uh, sort of okay the focus is not as much on the flat work we need to get you as strong as you possibly can in climbing climbing in a tt position etc etc so obviously that then uh, that changed sort of uh, not what we actually did but the actual location of where the actual training session was um but yeah we sat we sat down and said okay where where could where can we actually improve it and obviously for me it was basically 
uh, again, maintain his actual cycling and improve his actual cycling because that's where his strength is. But also, in the meantime, make him even stronger on the bike so therefore it takes less out of him so he can actually run faster. And people look at Sam's run and they go, well, that's his weakness. But the reality is he still ran really well at the Ironman World Championships in Nice. Um, I would say better than what he did at Kona last year, although I think, he, I think yeah. people maybe underestimate how well he still did run at Kona last year um, yeah. just, just yeah, because yeah, of how yeah. fast Gustav and Christian and Max Newman behind were running. But can you talk to me about um, what what sort of work you guys have done all year and particularly maybe through the preseason on, on improving Sam's run? Because I thought I noticed quite a difference in Sam from like say the after Kona to early early in this year. Yeah, I mean it's we've we've worked a lot on our early in the season. We worked a lot on speed uh, uh, and speed efficiency. Uh, so we were doing uh, sort of a lot of uh, say six hundreds, three hundreds, eight hundred at sort of uh, at a high intensity. Uh, then once we knew he was actually running strong, because that's another way to improve somebody's strength, uh, is by doing sort of the actual speed work, uh, we can actually help improve uh, the muscular strength of somebody. Uh, then we would went into the phase of sort of, oh no, at the same time, we were doing a lot of hill, uh, hill running, uh, where we would build up over a period of time, where he was actually running uphill, uh, say for 20, 22 kilometers. Uh, uh, then after that, I introduced... Um, uh, uphill and downhill running probably not as steep uh so we would actually do uh say do sets uphill uh and then we'll do sets on the downhill uh being controlled uh being very specific within sort of the pacing that he actually had uh we know where what sort of i mean i use uh, in running i use heart rate a lot uh, and i know a lot of people have gone away from actually using heart rate uh, because, but that is really overpaced or even sort of uh, watts at the same time. That for me is, is not, it doesn't tell you what's actually happening to the body. Uh, if your heart rate is at 160 beats per minute, we know exactly what your heart rate, what the body is going through, irrelevant of the pace you're actually running, irrelevant of the atmosphere you're running in. Yeah. So for me uh, at that time, it was the most stable method of, of in, in, keeping hold of his intensity um and so yeah we do, do a lot there a lot of a lot of running uh controlling that and again for me uh and you're saying as in swimming and in cycling it's not to see not to teach people to go faster it's actually to teach people to to make that speed easier or to make that wattage easier yeah so i'd much rather have somebody running uh, at let's say 130 beats per minute and then running at four minute kilometer pace then would be sort of going okay now I'm running at 345 but my heart rate's too high yeah and and it's the same on, on sort of cycling it's like sort of okay I want you to ride at 340 watts but or 350 watts let's see what your heart rate is uh, and keep get that as low as we possibly can for that so we know that you're you're being as efficient as you possibly can. And so with this, did did this like way that you've come up with improving Sam's run, is that all individual to him based on how he runs or is this ideas that you use with everyone? These are sort of some of the ideas I use. Uh, and again, it's uh, what I've got to do is I've got to look at uh, how their body creates the energy it's using and then adapt that to each individual person. 
Yeah, so for example, some people have uh, a higher threshold or let's say what I class is LT1, uh, LT2, sorry, and then others have better LT1 and the more aerobic capacity. So we look at anaerobic, aerobic and sort of anaerobic thresholds. Yeah, and depending on where they are as a person depends on the type of training they, they get, yeah. Uh, we know that Sam is an aerobic animal, so my goal is to get his uh, his aerobic threshold as close to his uh, as his uh, anaerobic threshold as possible. And if that's the case, then we know then he can actually race well. And I guess the reason I ask this question is because um, we haven't talked about him yet, but you coach Arto as well, Arto Hosso, who came sixth at, at the Ironman World Championships in Nice, um, and and obviously you you coach Sam who won it. And Arta ran 2.37 and Sam ran 2.41 and Arta's run was the second quickest or, or, you know, it's the third quickest, but of the... Yeah, third, I think it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was third quickest. Um, I was sort of thinking about the the main competitors there. That's probably a bit offensive. Yeah, Um, yeah. But, you you know, like Arta had the third quickest run of the day. Sam had the sixth quickest run of the day. So they obviously were both two of the best runners in the field. And, And I was sort of wondering whether they train exactly the same for their run or whether they are a little bit different? Uh, No, I mean, one of the benefits is that they train off each other. Uh, And this is when you create in any sort of... uh, sort of training group they've got to train off each other every single person has to bring something into the, the actual into the actual uh, mix uh, and that's where sort of I mean they train off each other we use they, they, they train on very similar uh, sessions because their the body but uh, the bodies or the, their methodologies whereas in how they absorb training is very very similar and that's what really helps uh, that's what really works and um, I mean, Archer, uh, when we sort of, he used Sam a huge amount to, to improve his actual cycling. Uh, uh, we still need to work on improving his swimming a little bit more. Um, I mean, that's where sort of Jake comes in. Jake swims with, with Archer. So Jake is using Archer or Archer is using Jake to swim off uh, because he's not at that level. Uh, but again, he sort of, they're training, they're training what they do because they're friends. Uh, and it makes life a lot easier if they train together and go. Actually, no, this is what we're. This is this is what works. And obviously, this year, both both uh, what we have done, uh, and even though the sessions are very very similar, they have been doing. Uh, they've worked well together. Yeah, even in sort of cycling, they'll be doing the same session, but they're doing it at their intensity. It's their point that that that, that that's that's important. Yeah. So okay, they might be going out for a five hour ride. Um, but Sam or might get sort of 20 kilometers extra within that. Um, and, and I think that it's the same when they're actually running. If one's running better than the other, then obviously what we've got to do is uh, they've got to be able to control that. So if we're doing a set, a set like a long distance set and uh, Archer is a couple hundred meters in front of Sam, then it doesn't really matter. It just gives something to measure off, but you're actually training against somebody. So it's individual uh to their own intensities that they need to do to actually carry on improving um one of the things i think with uh a lot of other athletes and coaches sort of miss out is they'll focus on their weaknesses uh too much uh, and not carry on improving their their strengths and what i tend to do is look at sort of each individual uh strengths uh, carry on improving them, but also improve improve their weaknesses slowly, 
uh, over over being uh, over a consistent block, um, and that's and I find that that works better. If you want to take your swimming seriously, you need to be wearing form goggles. There's a reason why so many of the world's best triathletes use them in their training, from the sport's best swimmer in Aaron Royal to the likes of Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden. Using them in training makes your swim sessions so much better. You can see the pace you're swimming the whole time, so it makes doing intervals and sessions that much easier and more specific. You don't have to be trying to use your watch and fiddling around with it or looking up at the clock between every, every interval. You don't have to be swimming and guessing how fast you're going. Using form goggles literally takes so much of the annoying parts of swimming away and makes things less confusing and more professional. I describe them to people who haven't used them before as the equivalent of using a GPS watch when you run and ride. And we all know how much better that makes your running and riding training. So use the discount code HTT15 to get 15% off your form goggles and see why everyone who takes their triathlon seriously chooses to use them. You seriously won't regret it. They change your swimming training for the better and you'll be glad you decided to try them finally. And I want to talk about Archer for a little bit because his story from the world champs is honestly crazy. And I don't think people have realized how crazy it is. And so let, let me, I sort of want to paint the picture for people here, Richard. So yeah, like Sam, Sam, who, who you know, won, he came out of the water 47 minutes, 47 minutes, 30 um, region in the, in the lead group. And Artur didn't come out of the water until five and a half minutes later in the very last group to come out of the water. Now, the people that he was in the water with were Matt Hansen, um, Remy Contour, Ben, ben Hill, I think, Joe Skipper, um, Adam Fay was there. I think there was one other person who I've forgotten, so sorry if you listen and it was you. And they came out and so of that group, Matt Hansen finished 21st in 8.45. Remy finished 18th in 8.43. Now, Joe Skipper finished 30 in 9.40. Um, Adam finished, uh, I think he finished in like 9.30. Um, sorry, I looked at these before before we started recording and now I've forgotten. And Arter finished sixth in 8.18. So that is crazy what he's done. If you look at everyone else who came in out in that last group out of the water, he's beaten them all by 30, 30 minutes odd apart from Ben Hill and he's nearly got into the top five. Like that is just literally mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an impressive – it was impressive. But again um, – I think in the past, and it's, it's a lot of cases, you get people they they they're not confident in their own uh, strengths, yeah, and actually be patient. I mean, you can't push a race, uh, you can't win it in the sort of oh come out the swim. I'm twenty minutes, I'm twenty minutes, I'm even sort five six minutes down. I've got in the first twenty minutes, I'm going to get that time back. And I think that's what we used to see with a lot of people, yeah, is they used to try and get to the front as quick as they possibly can, yeah. But it's irrelevant if it, how quickly you get to the actual front. The only time you actually need to be towards the front is at the finish line. To so do it patiently, be as controlled and keep within your actual limits. Yeah, Sam uh, Archer had a, a really, really strong ra- uh, race. His bike was super strong. Um, and again, it sort of, I knew he was super strong because obviously he dropped Sam uh, 10 days before on a bike. Uh, and then also he won Embram Man. Uh, which and then broke the record, which was Leon's uh, Leon Chevy's record, both on the actual uh, bike uh, and the run as well. And so it's we knew he was in that shape, and and he just needed to be patient. Where I think if he had gone too hard too soon, he would have blown up, and then he would have yeah he would have struggled probably with the rest of them. 
And so with Artur, when he came to you, what did you identify with him as like he was nowhere near the level of athlete he he is now like you have what you've done with him has been yeah like I've already I've already used this term but it's been mind blowing like it's been so impressive when when he came to you how did you take him from what he is what he was which was a quite a mediocre professional triathlete to being the six six in the world at the Ironman World Championships yeah it's not just me uh, it's, it's to do with all of us. Um, I mean, probably Sam takes the bit, one of the biggest credits uh, for how he's actually uh, developed. Um, also, he, he lives in the same house as us. So he has the same food. He sees what Sam does. He has become a professional athlete where at the beginning of uh, sort of end of last year, you wouldn't say he was a professional athlete. Yeah, you would say he was just a an athlete that was trying to be a professional. Now, obviously, he uh, has... Yeah, just change all of that. Everything was around that. And I can remember sort of we had one conversation. Sam's brought it up a few times, I think, uh, where he was like sort of, oh, yeah, I, I don't know what bars to get. I think these bars are faster than those bars and everything else. And I turned around to he says, oh, what do you think, Rich? And I turned around and said, I just think you need to get your legs stronger. <laughs> yeah, And that's all we've done. We've got his legs stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same. If you put the strength into somebody, they'll they'll go faster. Yeah, Sam told that story on the podcast. He was laughing about it. He's yeah. like, it's just a classic Richard story. That's what he said. Yeah. Um, no, but it is. I mean, it, it, there's no point in beating around the bush, is there? Yeah, it, it, it's, you've got to tell the truth, and it's not the truth. And I think it, then, and I say, I think for Archer's sort of progression this year, it has been incredible, but that's because he's had the laid low support behind him. Yeah, it's not just me and that sort of the coaching. I'm here, can see, you can adapt. Yeah, Sam's there, sort of going, okay, come on, let's do this. They're out on a ride. They're talking about sort of what the best nutrition is, what this is, what this is. Try doing this, try doing that. The, the batting ideas between them all the way. Yeah, and it's the same thing coming home and sort of Michelle or myself, sort of looking after him from the house perspective, and having that sort of support and going, actually, no, you just sit down, I'll do this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think this is where the Norwegians have also done really well is they have the support uh, behind them. So they don't, all they need to focus on is their swim cycle running. Yeah, everything else is catered for them. And I think that's the same with us here. We just basically, we we cater for the athlete and, and for them and they can just focus on swim, bike, run and recover. They don't actually really have to focus on anything else. And that is what I think is the biggest development. Yeah, I, just for, for, for people who don't know, to explain just how crazy the transformation of Artur Hosso was is at the end of 2022, he was ranked 310 in the world. He yeah. DNF'd, I think, all but one race in 2022. And then in 2023, he won Ironman Lanzarote, set the course record at Embrun, which is, you know, a historic triathlon. He ran sub 110 um, off the bike in a, in, a, in a challenge, you know, a middle distance race. And came sixth at the Ironman World Championships. If that's not the biggest turnaround in a career, like in a year period, I, I seriously don't know what it is. I think, I think it just has to be. Yeah, but again, people look at it as a year period and how quickly something done. It, it isn't. It's a lifetime of training. Yeah, and it's adapting that best to you as an actual person. Yeah, Arch has been racing for a long, long time. Okay, he might have been racing badly, but you still or training badly. You still gain that uh fitness you still gain that muscle and it's just fine tuning that into that area people look and it's the same sort of thing with sort of sam oh yeah he's just he's come from nowhere yeah and and it and it so isn't yeah it's years and years and years of 
consistent hard work. And again, sort of Archer being here, it's like sort of it's he's it's the consistency that he's had in his life has changed how he performs. It's something he always he's he always had in him. Yeah, it's been there for a long, long time. It just needed to be pulled to the front, yeah, so he could actually get the best out of him, out of his own body. So it's not something that has happened uh, in 10 months. It's something that's happened over 10 years, if not more. Yeah, amazing though, mate. Seriously, it's just like, it's such an amazing story of of persevering in the sport. And, and I think it's like one of those stories that can show people who are trying to make it in the sport and struggling that, you, if you get things right, you know, th- those years that you've had yeah. in the sport and, and the years of training you've done, they aren't for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it is all understanding about you as a person and getting the best out of you. Uh, and this, I mean, the world of triathlon, it's, it's, not, it's not a cheap sport. And there's a lot of people going, oh, you need to get this, you need to get this, this will make you better, this will make you better. At the end of the day, it's not. It's a consistency of what you're doing and understanding what you're actually trying to do. Yeah, and what as soon as you understand what you're trying to do or why you're doing something, yeah, then you will actually move forward. Yeah, and I see more and more people, they don't, they just follow this methodology. Oh, I'm doing this because such and such and it works for him, so I'm going to do this. Yeah, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that because I can see the Norwegians doing this. Yeah, if you don't know why they're doing it, then don't do it because you're not going to gain anything out of it. I want to ask you a question about the Norwegians, but just quickly before it, I think this is something I've wanted to ask you for a while because I'd heard that Arthur story about him talking about, oh, he just needs to change something in his position. And I know that you are a big proponent of like get the physical side of things right before the, before you start you know, nitpicking on the details. But then I look at Sam Laidlow and I think he has one of the – like best time trial positions, one of the most optimized bikes in professional triathlon. So do you actually place importance on that stuff? Uh, we, I do, yes, but that's predominantly come from Sam. Yeah, that's not me uh, <laughs> in any way. I'm here as his actual coach. Yeah, he will then, we have other people who have other specialties that actually help. But Sam, uh, even as a kid, was super interested in aerodynamics and sort of uh, getting get a bit of sort of free speed. So he's not frightened of trying something out to see if that works. Uh, Sam is an intelligent lad and it sort of, you've got to let him go and speak to this person or speak to that person and go actually no what happens if we try this or what happens if we try that and because sam hasn't been probably i would say educated in sort of the standard uh aerodynamic methodology of his, as an engineer and stuff he'll look outside the box uh, and i think that's what's really important it's the same with me sort of in coaching i'll look outside the box yeah and look okay how can we improve that and i mean from an aerodynamics it's really really important uh, but i think that again the athlete needs to understand why uh, and we see a lot of people going to uh, bike fitters and coming into this position and getting this done and getting that done but they're just they they just they don't know why they're in that position what their difference is what happens if we did this or what happens if we did this like that they don't have that they're just all yeah 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 you're 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 you're, you're the most important person uh, you know what you're talking about so let's I'll go with this and come back and go and then somebody else goes well yeah but that's not very aero is it and that oh no I didn't know that then they'll go and find somebody else to do the job. Uh, they don't think about it from a logical uh, perspective. That is so true. Uh, and Sam's very good at that. Yeah. Sam is very, very good at that. He'll look at it from a a, 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 a logical 
perspective and then listen to what other people are saying and then make his own mind up if that's right or wrong or is there a better way of doing that yeah i have a question about this and and because i think a lot of people spend time thinking about like magnus and how good his position and equipment optimization is and, and that gets talked about a lot i feel like sam doesn't get talked about like this very often but i think he should like i think he has sort of a similar um level of advantage over over a lot of people as magnus does when it comes to this stuff based on the work he's done i I got told a story and i've wanted to ask you or sam i just completely forgot to ask sam but i got asked i got told a story by another athlete who rides for canyon and they said like oh canyon want you to ride these specific bars so we all do but uh, but they noticed that sam doesn't and they're like oh if i went and asked that i don't think canyon would let me and it just made me it made me think is that because of this is that because if Sam thinks something is faster and better, he will use it, like even if it's sort of going against the norm or against the grain? Yeah, I mean, if Sam has an idea, he will go and, t- he'll go and test. Yeah, so if, if he thinks that something is, is something is faster, he'll go and try and test that and see if it is faster or not. And then come to, and then probably go to Canyon and go, look, I, I, feel, I feel that this is right. I think this is faster than this. Uh, can you help me? And I think that Canyon are brilliant. Uh, at that, that's one of the things I, I, I'm really, really impressed on how Canyon uh, have sort of gone. Okay, no, yeah, you might have something here. Yeah, it's always difficult. Uh, I mean, there is more aerodynamic um, systems out there more than what Sam is, but obviously you have to adapt uh, and do what Canyon will help them do. Everything they're doing because also they're learning, uh, and Sam's gone to them, go, oh, is it possible to have this or do this or do this, and if it's easy enough for them to do. And then they're like, yeah, no problem at all. We can do that. And then obviously that then gets passed on to the public. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a good, uh, good R&D uh, to have Sam on board and to actually listen to that. I mean, if you look at sort of uh, the speed or see the Speedmax, that was designed uh, by Wolfie and, uh, and Jan Fredino, yeah, specifically for the way he rides. Yeah, but obviously Sam rides a different way, so therefore we they need to try and adapt that as possible. And I think it it helps when you had the 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 course record at uh, at Kona uh, for the bike. Obviously, they're going to listen. And so coming back to my question about the Norwegians in 2022, the Norwegian training method literally took over triathlon. Like lactate testing went absolutely crazy it went through the roof every everyone was doing it professional and age groupers everyone was talking about the tra- the norwegian training methodology at that time and even still now what did you think about that and and the talk around that uh, i mean i've taken lactate but it's not new yeah and this is the thing they've taken it and they've come so lactate testing i was uh 14 years old uh and i was swimming um in a uh, in a swim school, uh, I was all, I was sort of a thousand thousand kilometers away from home, uh, and we were lactate testing. We were training off lactate. It, it's nothing new. It's been there for years. The ease of doing it has changed. It's a lot easier. But again, if I was doing it when I was fourteen, yeah, they, it, it's it's nothing new. They've just taken something and learned a little bit more about it and and developed that forward. And if you look, the sort of okay, we're looking at sort of they use. Uh, uh, the moxie, yeah, to understand what's actually happening to a muscle oxygen level. Is that a better, better methodology, yeah, to use than sort of actually taking somebody's blood? Yeah, quite possibly. 
Yeah, but it's all a learning process. They're, they've got the funding uh, and the support to actually try all different things and see which one actually suits and which one is best and what can what can they learn from it. Um, uh, it's What they're doing is nothing new. They're just making sure that they're not going too hard or they're going too easy. Uh, and I think that's the key with any sort of training session is you've got to understand that if, if I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to run at uh, this pace or the fastest pace possible, but produce as little lactate as possible. Yeah, so therefore, I'm using more fat, I'm using less oxygen, I'm using uh, less carbohydrate, et cetera, et cetera. And it's understanding that that that, that, that that's sort of the key. And obviously, <laughs> this is it's it's a rich sport in triathlon. Yeah, so then somebody says, oh, look, they, they're using this. Oh, well, I'm going to use this. Oh, look, I'm going to use this. It's like the blood glucose monitors. Yeah, it's a great idea to, for them to use them, but it's 10 minutes behind time. So what's the point of using if it's 10 minutes behind time? Yeah, because that time's already passed. Things like that that, uh, that are, are key. And lactate, yeah, it's an important part to understand uh, and use um, if you understand what you're actually trying to do. Um, but is it the 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 most efficient way of doing something uh, and i feel personally i think the the norwegians or the norwegian support team they do everything uh, to get as much money out of the sport as they possibly can uh, and they'll they will sort of use things that have very little relevance um not saying lactate hasn't lactate has got a, a good important part but there is other methods that they also use but they you don't know about or i don't know about I think you guys had brought in Clement Mignon in 2022 to do some training with Sam and in in your environment. And now you've had Artur for the whole year in 2023. So after this world champs win and the success of, of your training group, do you guys have any other pros that you're going to start working with? No, Clement, Clement's never been with it. Clement's, Clement um, and Sam have raced together for years and years and years. So Clement was, uh, he's, came, he's came here on training camp when uh, he was about sort of 16 or so. Uh, but he's never spent any time. He was—he lived. He was in our house in Kona, uh, and that's as much. But I, I have have never never coached uh, or dealt with sort of Clement with with, with friends etc. And I help him out, but we I've had no influence on on him whatsoever. Yeah, that's uh, actually good yeah, to none know. whatsoever. Yeah, cool. Um, following the success of of the World Champs this year with Sam and Artur, do you have any other pros that you're going to bring into to the, the training environment now, or any other pros who want to come into the training environment now? There's a few. There's a few newbie pros that want to come in, or yeah, pro, the people, the sort of age group who can come up to up to pro level. But again, it, we're we're a bit sort of, uh, is this the right thing to do? Is it not the right? Is, is it the right thing to do? Is it going to help or is it going to hinder? And my my focus, obviously, is to focus on Archer and, uh, and Sam as a key now if i bring somebody in they're gonna have to uh bring something to the party yeah they're not going to change what they've already got now if they do then it's not going to work uh and yeah and and that's that's for me is the key we have i have uh i say he's younger he's only a couple of years younger than uh than sam and they called senzino Lubot who uh, he won a uh, half Ironman distance race at the weekend. He's trained, he lives at home, but he trains with us uh, on most of the most of the actual sessions himself. Uh, and he wants to then move up as well. So we have got another, uh, a third person uh, in the actual mix as well. So we have to see, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to say yes. 
Yeah, it really does depend on that person is that person will fit into the area. I think one of the benefits of having uh, Archer and Sam together and also Senzino, they're friends. Yeah, and it's having that friend, they have that banter, they sort of take the piss out of each other, et cetera, et cetera, the whole time through. They go out uh, and have a laugh. And obviously training's hard. So actually having somebody around with you that you can actually laugh about something like how how I say something in French or how uh, yeah, such and such crashed his bike, et cetera, et cetera. Then it, it's, it's all banter and that's good. Literally, that is like one of the most underrated elements of a training environment, isn't it? Just how well everyone gets along and like how fun everyone yeah. makes the training together. And um, it's not just about like, hey, does this person swim well? Okay, let's bring them in and help help a weaker swimmer. Like that can work. Yeah, but- I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it sort of, there's enough training stress uh, on everybody. Uh, so they don't want to have sort of the psychological mental stress of, uh, of, of somebody else that doesn't fit into the actual framework. If you could find someone who, let's say it's, it's, a, it's a hypothetical person that doesn't actually exist, but they are perfect in terms of their personality and what they bring to the training environment um, from an entertainment and enjoyment and friendship um, perspective. So if, if they had that covered, is there an area where it comes to the actual training or, you know, the, the physiological side of the sport or a particular strength in a certain area that someone could bring into the training environment that you've identified as an area you would like to sort of have someone come in and, and sort of fulfill? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, Senzino is a good swimmer, so Sam helps us swimming. Uh, I mean, getting another cyclist in uh, would be quite uh, another strong cyclist. But to be honest, Archer is at a very, very good level and they can train off each other really, really well. So there's nobody that, that I think is specific that we we, oh, we could do, really do with this person in. Yeah, If it was somebody that came in and, as you say, has got a great personality and has uh, and, and and they have a laugh and they can they can get something out of the training, then then brilliant let's bring it on uh, but at the moment i don't think there's anything that we need uh that would help uh, develop uh any of any of the athletes any further than they actually get there they are at the moment and so talk to me quickly um about a conversation me and cam worth had on, on the podcast last week about how he he said that oh great the the laid those are going to win uh the ironman world championships for the next 10 years with with your other son coming through the ranks uh, is that is that a possibility? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say no. I mean, obviously, I can't control other people. I can, if I can coach and uh, guide uh, Jake as well as Sam can actually coach and guide him to be a, another world champion, uh, if that's what he wants. Uh, it's not about. It's not about. Uh, it's all about him and what he feels and what he wants to do. He might find he wants to go and play ping pong. I don't know. Uh, but he hasn't he hasn't shown interest in that at the moment. He's interested in doing triathlon and, and loves sort of the atmosphere. Uh, I think where he spent sort of two weeks with us out in Nice and learned a huge amount and could see that that was actually the lifestyle that he 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 likes and enjoys. Uh, so who knows? Who knows? We don't know. Uh, uh, it, it's something I would like to see, uh, and it's something I know Sam would like to see. Um, but it's it's up to Jake at, at the end of the day. And so now my last question for the podcast, Richard, and thanks so much for your time. It's been an amazing chat. Um, what next? Uh, carry on doing what we're doing. 
um, I think Sam has sort of plans, uh, which we sort of brought out. I think over the over the period of time, over the next couple of months. Uh, my next focus, obviously, is Sam uh, for Sam is uh, Kona, uh, and get him ready to race Kona uh, the best he possibly can. Uh, Sam is also sort of wants to uh, influence the world uh, uh, and sort of help people that are struggling etc so again those are different areas that he's looking I mean he's he's 24 he's still finding his feet he's going to be a few years before he's going to go okay I'm going to set up this charity and do this and do this and do this for other people yeah um, at the moment he's sort of uh, relatively new into a relationship he's just bought a house that needs uh, complete renovation uh, and I think those are the actual goals for him to be settled yeah, is the main goal as well as going into Kona and trying to win Kona next year. That's that's the main goal for him at the moment. Are you excited about Kona next year and the potential that you might get that rematch with Gustav and you'll have Maxi Newman back there who wasn't there this year and and potentially, you know, Alistair Brownlee and Javier Gomez and just getting a chance to race against people that weren't there in Nice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's always there's always races that, that, that people aren't there. Um the we'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm excited about it, but again, I'm excited to to carry on developing uh, Sam uh, to get his full potential. Uh, he's not at his full potential, uh, and that was never the actual goal. It's always been his full potential when he's getting towards his uh, mid to late twenties, not early twenties. So there's still a big, big development, and that's what I think is really, really good for me, and what makes it sort of easy for me to get up in the morning and say we've got, a, we've still got a long way to go. Richard, thanks so much for your time, mate. It's uh, an absolute, an absolute honour. Uh, like I said to you directly after the race, I, seriously, I'm just so happy for you guys. I love the little family, you know, element that you've brought to the sport, and that you, you guys have done it together. It's, <laughs> it's seriously, it's just like such yeah. a good story. No, mate. no, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, to feel good yeah the support, the support of everybody, every athlete needs uh, needs a huge support team behind them, and we're lucky that we can keep it in the family. Yeah, yeah, amazing, mate, amazing story. Well done again, Ironman World Thank Championship you. winning coach. It's uh, you hang your hat on that forever, mate. So yeah, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much. If you haven't been to the feeds website yet, it's time you went and checked it out. It's your one-stop shop for all things triathlon nutrition. The feed basically have all of the world's best training and race day nutrition products in one place. So you don't have to do multiple orders from multiple websites and pay shipping on all of them. Or you don't have to go to the effort of driving around to different shops to get different products. You can just head to the feeds website and it's all there in one place for you. So like I said, if you haven't gone and checked it out, you should go and do that right now. You'll see for yourself how easy it makes buying all of your training and racing nutrition. It's also a really good way to look at nutritional products you never knew existed and try them out by chucking them on top of your order and seeing if they might work for you. Thefeed.com, it really is your number one resource for all things triathlon nutrition. 